Greetings, gentle listeners. If you enjoy this podcast, you may also like Brosé, a mirthy talk show starring four bros who sip wine and consider questions submitted by you, the audience, about current events, pop culture, and which Muppet you should get tattooed on your back. Subscribe to Brosé wherever you get your podcasts. That's B-R-O-S-E. Brosé, the podcast for those who drink rosé. What does Freddy Krueger have to do with humans one day becoming venomous? Has Florida man finally gone too far? Can an octopus be an MMA fighter? Real water too, when keeping it real goes wrong. Have you ever seen a haunted toilet? Would you like to? The answers to all these questions, plus sports, emotional weather, and state up. That's tonight on Person in Person. Good evening, wherever you are, whoever you are, and welcome to Season 2 of Person in Person. I need to change how I've written that at some point. I'm Gene Person. And I'm Greg Person. No relation. Yeah, I keep uh, I keep just copying over the same text and saying the same thing. I'm like, I'm like Will Ferrell in Anchorman right here. Listen, folks, whatever you put on the notes, Gene Person will read. Go fuck yourself, San Diego. I mean, that's just always true. Yeah. San Diego, go fuck yourself. No relation. Person in Person is a news show for people who don't like news shows by people who don't like news shows. Uh, so we, I don't know. I like some news shows. I, I mean, I like this news show. I, uh, I got my uh, COVID vaccine this week. Uh, well, yeah, me too. At least um, in my case, it was the first dose because it's Pfizer. Um, but I, you know, I, I had a day of coma and then I feel great. I actually felt I feel better today than I have in weeks. Actually, I did a lot of cleaning and organizing today. I had a ton of energy and like mental clarity, which is unusual for me. That's great. So. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe I had the COVID brain fog and the shot cured it. Yeah, who knows? That's how that works. Let's get into tonight's story beats. A New Mexico man returned from a 10-minute grocery shopping trip to discover that his car was full of bees. How many bees? 15,000 goddamn bees. That's a the lot bees of bees. Left. It's, a, it's more bees than I'm comfortable with. <laughs> like... If I knew there was a bee in this house somewhere, I would move. And to have 15,000 bees in your car, because you know you know, there's a few residual bees left after that, right? Right. It's got to be. Right. But they did leave, though, when he explained, Killing me won't bring back your goddamn honey! <laughs> like Nicolas Cage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Wicker Man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mitch McConnell this week decried the corporate outrage over the Georgia bill designed to discourage voting. He went on the record as saying they were acting as a, quote, woke parallel government. You know, I've said it before and I'll say it again. If there's one thing a conservative loves, it's a free market. I fucking hate that turtle. I know, right? He's the only turtle I hate. All other turtles are cool. Well, he's he's the only turtle that's a hypocrite. Like... Most turtles aren't capable of hypocrisy. 
Well, and the ones that, you know, theoretically are, are just very true to themselves. Yeah. Like, like the Ninja Turtles. Right. Right. They keep it real 100%. Well, there's a Croatian diver, Budimir Sobat, who set a new world record for holding one's breath underwater. Uh, do you want to take a wild guess at how many minutes this guy can hold his breath underwater? Well, I am going to take a wild guess and say 12 minutes. Nah, dog. 24 minutes, 33 seconds. Holy shit. I didn't even know that was possible. Yeah, you know what's wild? His previous record was 24 minutes and 20 or and 11 seconds. So he can just do this. So at that point, are you so deprived of oxygen that you're hurting your your brain and your internal organs? Oh, it probably hurts. Like, well, no doubt. No, but I mean, are well, you doing any kind of permanent damage is my is my concern. Well, I mean, technically your your blood still has some oxygen in it. I'm not sure. I'd have to look it up, but uh, I do know that when he was asked to comment on his world record, uh, Sobat replied, It's <gasps> 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 so funny. It's so funny to me. <laughs> it, it hurts my throat to do that. Uh, Microsoft has landed a $22 billion contract to produce augmented reality headsets for the U.S. military likely after an expensive new report outlining that U.S. troops are missing out on sweet opportunities in Pokemon Go while deployed. Now, finally, we'll be able to catch them all, including the deadliest Pokemon, Osama Bin Laden. A young couple in Seoul, South Korea, mistakenly quote-unquote vandalized a painting by an American graffiti artist because there was paint and brushes next to it and it wasn't in a frame. It was the only piece of artwork that wasn't in a frame in the entire museum. So they quite naturally assumed that it was all right to paint on this thing, like it was a collaborative art project. So they'll be seeking political asylum in Spain. <laughs> yeah. Wow, they really have a future there if they, if they move to Spain, I would think. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, Spain is the only country that really respects the idea of collaborative art. Right. And by collaborative art, you mean ruining <laughs> centuries-old incredible works well in spain they have a saying it's not a true masterpiece until a cleaning lady fucks with it in spanish <laughs> that rhymes <laughs> what do we care if the mona lisa stays the same it's not a very good painting first of all right it's rubbish right and second of all um you know we've all seen it before so let's zhuzh it up a little bit yeah let's add a big dick right across her forehead I think that's what Leonardo originally intended, but, you know, they didn't have the, the cool laid-back attitude toward dicks that we have in the modern era. Say what you will about Spanish art restoration, but god damn, those Ninja Turtles could paint. True. True. The U.S. Supreme Court this week dismissed Donald Trump's lawsuit against Twitter. Clarence Thomas did note that it was unsettling that a platform has the ability to silence the former associate of Jeffrey Epstein and U.S. president, as Donald Trump doesn't even have the ability to do that to himself. Well, so the Twitter ban is like an assistive technology then. Modern problems require modern solutions. He should have a card that he carries around that he can just present people that just says, I cannot stop talking. Right. So that <laughs> that way when people don't, don't understand why he never stops talking. Right. They have their card. Exactly. 
Exactly. It's 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 like uh, warning people that you're allergic to penicillin only. Like a medic alert bullhorn. But enough about the news. It's main news. Our top story tonight, Venomous Humans and Freddy Krueger. So humans have the genetic framework for making venom. And indeed all mammals do. Scientists say the secret is in the sauce. And by sauce, I mean our salivary glands. Look, I don't know that we'll be around long enough to evolve the ability to do any of this, but my first thought was this motherfucker spit in. Of course, given his ability to test boundaries and his fascination with the activity of spitting, it could make little Gene the deadliest assassin who has ever lived. Especially if he stays that size, because then he'll be able to hide in cupboards and shit. Right, right. Little Chucky doll. The article made sure to highlight the fact that it It wasn't likely that this will happen because humans acquire food and prey in other ways. And usually you have to have some impetus for the for the uh, mutation. And uh, we don't require the venom for defense. Or do we? Well, see, that's what uh, I want to talk about is uh, I start with Freddy Krueger, who is my favorite of all the slashers uh, because he's basically a child murdering Bugs Bunny. That's right. uh, Yeah. You know, he's he's clearly having fun in contrast to your Jasons, your Michael Myerses. I don't think I like it, a, I don't think he really started out that way because he was just this ominous figure in the first film. But by the time we got to number three, he was he was all out cartoon. I mean, there's there's some cartoony moments in the first one. There's I guess I'm trying yeah. to think of one. The uh, like the long arms, the thing. long arms. Yeah, the but for me, it works. Although the the, the car. Yeah being freddy at the end there was kind of goofy see that was confusing to me because the car was freddy but didn't freddy also pull yeah. the mom doll yeah, through, so, the, through the door so the car is freddy and then freddy pulls the mom through the the wind the little window in the door yeah i mean what do you what do you expect from uh, a new line horror film in the early 80s absolute masterpieces that's what i expect well i mean and and despite its little flaws that that film is a masterpiece it's still one of the scarier slasher films that, i mean it's not halloween west west craven as brilliant as he was could not touch john carpenter but no never but it's it's still a really good movie but see slashers see we're we're the apex predator but slashers are the predators of the predators. Oh, right. So, I mean, we we do need something for defense because if there's anything these movies have shown us, it's that all of our big brains and our pretensions will not save us from Jason and Freddy and even Chucky. Um, actually, it's funny you mentioned Chucky. I've been re-watching all the Child's Play movies this week for some reason. Mm-hmm. Most of them are bad. I know, but Brad Dorf is really wonderful. Oh, he's he's fantastic. He's one of my favorite that guys. Yeah. Uh, quick question. What exactly good will our Venom do against the dream monster Freddy Krueger? Well, none. I'm, but your body's going to develop the Venom before it develops dream powers because we already have the equipment for Venom. Oh, so the Venom is just so like a precursor to dream powers. Yeah, well, I mean, when the Venom doesn't work. But the thing is, the Venom's going to work on the Leprechaun. Right. 
The Venom will work on the Leprechaun. It'll probably work on Michael Myers. It might work on Jason, but he's probably just going to come back from it somehow. Yeah, the whole... Jason has a supernatural toughness that... I mean, the Venom would have to be super deadly. Right. But, um, you know, it would also... uh, Venom is also effective against the uh, public menace number one, Spider-Man. Well, as long as the Venom... (laughs) That just landed. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) As long as the Venom is effective against, you know, Blippi and (laughs) the folks behind Car Buddies, I think think we're good. Yeah, I mean, almost definitely. Mm -hmm. You could could probably kill those guys in a conventional way if you were so inclined. Please don't do that, though. Quick aside, uh, Gene Person does not want to kill a beloved YouTuber. I don't really want that. I might cut that whole bit out. Yeah, that, that, I don't. Yeah, I think anything that we have to disclaim, we, we could probably just. Right, because and then someday when I do kill him, the evidence is right there. Yeah, yeah. We definitely don't want to discuss your murder plots yeah, on your podcast. That's a bad idea. That's how they that's how they end up getting all these neo-Nazis. Yeah, I feel like we've we've gone off the rails a little bit, but that is OK. OK, well, so so where we're at. Humans may develop venom, which will aid us in our quest to rid the world of the monsters that plague us, particularly in our dreams. I think that's as good as we're going to get. And let's move on to breaking news. So first, and I'm a little late to the party, I realize um, a lot of uh, news outlets and uh, podcasts have kind of covered this. But I do want to talk about the terrible week that Matt Gates is having because it's delicious to me. It's like the most luxurious truffle to see all the pain that this Jimmy Neutron looking motherfucker is going through. Uh, you may know he's under investigation by the Justice Department for sex trafficking of a minor. Uh, but associates past and present have chosen this time when he's at his most vulnerable uh, to bring out his past sexual misconduct enthusiasm for alcohol and illegal drugs, orgies, uh, general corruption. Uh, When he was on Tucker Carlson's show, he himself brought up the idea of orgies of teenage prostitutes, Mm -hmm. um, which was not something anyone else had said. He's the one who started that (laughs) rumor. So there's, there's literally not enough time to detail all the scandals that are coming to light. Uh, there are very popular podcasts who have done whole episodes on this subject. Uh, I, I don't want to uh, steer you to any other podcast because this is the only podcast you need. Uh, but if you want to search out that content, it does exist. I encourage you to look into some of these events. Uh, he claims that there is a, a blackmail conspiracy against him, which there is actually. Um, when all this started, um, a couple of dummies tried to shake down his father for $25 million dollars. Uh, to uh, to salvage his reputation. But the real conspiracy at work is much more organic. It's just a bunch of people who hate Matt Gates as they should, because mm-hmm. he sucks. And uh, they're piling on all the trouble by bringing up all the greasy shit he does all the time. And they're right to hate him, again, because mm-hmm. he sucks. So I wish them all the best of luck. Great. You mentioned that he's a Jimmy Lut- Neutron-looking motherfucker. I've heard a lot of comparisons mm-hmm. between him and uh, Butthead of Beavis and Butthead. I personally think he looks like the 
the Nicholson Joker impregnated a bobblehead. See, I like that because it does emphasize the fact that his head is way too big for it his is. body. He's got this tiny little face on a big ass head. And he's got that pompadour, which only makes your head look bigger. What are you yeah. thinking, buddy? Yeah, bad idea. Oh, all right. Uh, my story, Australian geologist Lance Carlson was swimming on vacation on an Aussie beach when he happened upon an octopus who clearly mistaking the geologist for some lackey fish began beating Lance like a fax machine at Inatech, leaving him covered in stinging red welts, battered and sore. The octopus had apparently spotted Carlson earlier that morning in the shallow waters with his two-year-old and had chased them. Later... When Carlson returned to the water, the octopus was apparently waiting for him and still pissed off. So, I know Australia is the land of deadly animals, but even the non-deadly animals seem pretty deadly lately. They seem to be coming after us. What is going on here? Well, did you ever see the uh, Netflix documentary series Zoo? No, and you've mentioned it several times on the show, and I... uh, (laughs) <laughs> I'm still not checked Watch it out. Watch Zoo, dude. It yeah, rules. I'll have, to, I'll have to look it up. Little Jean would love Zoo as well. It's got it's got animals mm-hmm. in it. Yeah. Loves animals. Okay. <laughs> I, I hear what you're trying to do. I'm not going to let you sabotage my parenting by giving my child lasting trauma. Childhood drama is good for you. Um, you know, I got lots of childhood trauma. And uh, now whenever anyone raises their voice, I start looking around. All right. It's fine. All right. Maybe... I'm going to go back into the the pool of our speculative journalism here real quick. Maybe we develop the venom to protect us from the animals, or maybe at least Australians do. Well, and when the Australians develop venom, they're going to wipe the rest of us out because that's how evolution works. Right. You know, the the conquering army of Australians are just going to be like, good day, we're taking over your country because we have venom and we'll bite you. (laughs) And then, heaven forbid, anyone on this planet knows how to pronounce the letter O. (laughs) As you know, each week, our investigative team investigates a detailed and harrowing story on food crime. This week, Greg Person has the story. Uh, This one, folks, is actually a follow-up to last week's story about real water. Uh, The fake water concoction uh, made of water and baking soda and God knows what else Um, that has sickened and potentially killed a lot of people in Nevada, as well as some other places, as it turns out, uh, because some more details have emerged. Um, For example, uh, Gene, do you remember that last week I gave these people just the barest shred of a doubt that they probably didn't mean to kill people on purpose? I do. I remember you saying specifically, well, they don't know it's poison. Well, that was stupid because they did know it was poison. Of course. <laughs> Specifically, uh, workers notified management that the pH, the pH tester they used was broken, and management told them to continue injecting the solution, even though they had no idea how much they were putting in. Uh, so now, uh, the malfunctioning testing equipment, as well as the plant manager and lead tester, have gone mm-hmm. missing. Uh, so, are they dead? Did they drink the water? Who knows? Yeah, I, you know, I, I could feign surprise, but I'm really not surprised when it comes to this whole floofy goof goop culture. I just, I, I believe they're all 
absolutely heartless people who are out to screw people out of money. They're like psychics. Well, now, come on. Psychics have never killed anybody except for... Oh, shit. No, I was, I was thinking I was going to be able to come up with a name of a psychic who had killed somebody, but I literally can't <laughs> because psychics are a force of benevolence in the world. But uh, as far as real water goes, uh, the company never notified its distributors of the recall. It's still being sold online, and they're still promoting it on social media. So they know it's out there killing people, and they don't give a single yeah. shit. So, I mean, the real story is that I was dumb enough to think that anyone wouldn't deliberately sell poison, even though that is pretty much the entire thrust of human history and like every product we buy. Yeah. I mean, that's true. Maybe this has maybe this has more in common with, uh, you know, just corporate America. Well, I mean, I used to smoke a pack and a half a day and I'm sitting here saying, well, no one would deliberately sell a product that was dangerous. That's a bad business. Right. right. It all comes back to capitalism. It does. It's It really is the root of all evil. Like, that, that's not a joke. That's just reality. Save yourselves. Folks, it's sports. Our sport this week is belly flopping. A sport born of Norway, belly flopping is an activity in which participants jump from about 33 feet try to spread out their bodies as much as possible, only to curl into a ball at the last minute. Any diver who stays splayed out the longest wins. So yeah, sport? I don't know. It's really just a game of chicken. Is it entertaining to watch? Kinda. There are moments of sheer empathy cringe where you can almost feel the pain when someone biffs it after falling three meters. It also... Sort of looks like a bunch of frat boys doing something stupid for laughs, which, yeah, it checks out. That's pretty much what it is. Well, and I feel like all sports start that way. They start with a bunch of dudes hanging out, and one of them says, hey, look what I can do. And then another guy says, oh, I can do that. And suddenly there's teams and leagues and endorsement deals. And, yeah. Uh, I mean, and the unfortunate drawback is that's also how you get toe wrestling. Ultimately, it's those hold my beer moments that that can give birth to like great sports. Well, that's how we got basketball, the greatest sport of all time, because it's mm -hmm. two sports in one. <laughs> it's time for the emotional weather. Our emotional weather this week is doing all right, getting good grades, and my future's so bright. <laughs> and it's hard not to finish. Well, that. you know what's funny is in my notes here, I wrote it down as gotta wear shades because oh, I just funny. couldn't not do it. Yeah, yeah. All right, for my doing all right story, a 19-pound tuxedo cat named Piper had, had gone missing for nearly a month when she turned up, much to the owner's surprise, stuck in a neighbor's chimney. The kitty is portly, and the owner had assumed that she wouldn't even fit in a chimney. In any case, the cat was very much alive after being trapped in that tight space for a month. She had lost seven pounds and was dehydrated, but otherwise in excellent condition. I, it, it baffles me that this this little guy could have survived for that yeah, the, long. I, I, mean, I think it had to have rained a couple a month of times so that she, a, she was able to get some water because I don't know that you can do a full month without water. I know you can do a month without food, but yeah, had to be a rough, a rough month. 
can cats hibernate? That's not a thing, right? No, cats don't hibernate. I, you know, that cat should should count itself lucky though that the neighbors didn't decide to to roast some marshmallows or something, or that Santa Claus didn't show up. Right, right. Well, I don't know. Santa Claus might have might have freed her up, kicked her down. Or wait, maybe the cat is Santa Claus. Oh my God, you've cracked it. You've cracked the case. It's Santa Claus. Yep, yep. Rhymes with Arkansas. <laughs> For my doing all right story, a recent study shows that men who are almost two and a half times more likely to become severely ill or die of COVID fare much better when treated with progesterone, which appears to modulate the body's immune response and reduce complications. Uh, no word on whether the men in the study have developed an inability to choose a restaurant or have begun to categorize people by astrological sign. Ooh. Yeah. But that, I mean, I'm just saying that. All right. Early reports are that they do be shopping. That that borders on <laughs> a little misogynistic there, buddy. I'm, I'm not saying it's bad that a woman refuses to tell you where she wants to eat. I, I enjoy a little mystery in a relationship, but can you, can you honestly tell me, because you are a happily married man, ludicrously happy, always going on mm-hmm. about how much you love your wife and it's great, but can you honestly tell me that you have not been virtually starving to death, sitting there trying to figure out where to eat and... I mean, what's the longest time you've ever had the conversation about where you want to go eat? Half an hour? 45 minutes? Oh, no, no, no. It's much less than that. Usually it'll go on for about, I think at the outside, 20 minutes before I just decide to pick something. See, and that's what you have to do. You have to do it that way. See, I have a system where I will say, okay, so let's talk about genres of food. We're talking about, do we want something spicy? Do we want something crunchy? Do we want something gooey? And then we can narrow it down to like ethnic subgenres. And, you know, you winnow it down that way. You, you sort of create this, uh, this flow chart of places you could potentially eat of every possible restaurant on earth. Although recently, I mean, there's the added wrinkle of uh, Gil having to avoid gluten that's made picking things honestly a lot simpler. Right. I mean, you got like two choices now. Yeah, I, I think I think maybe some of that indecision that happens, and I don't think it's just the women folk because I personally have have problems with uh, indecision about what I actually want, and usually when I do pick something, it's not necessarily the ideal solution. It's just something that came to mind. But I think it may be a you know a, a wealth of choices that 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 drives this indecision. Well, I only ever eat chicken fingers. So, and you can get those anywhere. Yeah. You know how they say don't shop hungry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's that kind of thing. You just want everything. You just want nothing. It's very, it's very Zen. Very Zen. On to getting good grades. Students in Burlington, Vermont have a new high school to attend and surprise it's in a mall. Yeah. It's a Macy's complete with escalators. The building underwent a $3.5 million retrofit, and students find it, quote, weird but cool. The space was leased because apparently the old school was built out of poison, as we did back in the day, and they needed a temporary facility that would allow them to educate the children while investigating what to do about the toxins. And it's Vermont, 
so it's probably near Bill and Ted. And the Burlington Coat Factory, so those kids are going to be able to get quality outerwear at affordable prices. You're going to like the way you look. Oh, hey, that's Men's Warehouse. <laughs> also, I've bought stuff from Men's Warehouse. You will not like the way you look. Oh, I guarantee it. You will, at the very at the very most, you will have a strong ambivalence about the way you look. For my getting good grades story, uh, more students than ever in these uh, days of COVID and online schooling are paying uh, quote-unquote tutoring services to do their work for them. And uh, quite a few of them are just getting blackmailed. Uh, in oh my god! Yeah, well, in instead that's, of... That's actually brilliant. I know, I know. Here's, here's the thing about this, right? Is it's possible that I may know somebody who, when they were in school, uh, was uh, writing people's papers for them. You know, do it. It's possible that I may also know somebody <laughs> who did something very similar. So one or both of these hypothetical people are now kicking themselves because it never occurred to them to just blackmail people for money. Oh, it's so smart. So it's, I mean, it's so criminal, but it's so well, smart. Well, it's so much simpler. I mean, if you're going to write three senior papers in two days while being totally gacked out of your mind, mm -hmm. I mean, don't do that. Just get the money. Right. All right. My future's so bright. If you got to go, go out with style. So the expression goes. But what song should we play at your funeral? Sure, Frank Sinatra's My Way is a popular choice, as is Queen's Don't Stop Me Now. The top choice, however, may surprise you. It's Monty Python's Always Look on the Bright Side of Life, in which Eric Idle croons and a, and a chorus whistles about just how funny life is. Originally from Monty Python's The Life of Brian, I think it's wonderful that this is the top choice in celebrating those departed. I like that we can go with a sense of humor. I've thought about what song I would like at my funeral. And um, I never really was able to come up with one that I liked because I keep coming back to the fact that it won't matter <laughs> because I won't be there. Which is why I've chosen a very specific song for my funeral. It's just something uh, to liven things up a bit. I want the Mortal Kombat theme played. Oh my God, that is epic. That's so good. Yes, test your might. Yeah, it's just... Drop me into the ground and then Mortal Kombat. Did you see the article that came out the other day where um, they did an oral history of the guy yelling Mortal Kombat? <laughs> no, but now I have to. Yeah, I never could. I never could come up with one. Maybe uh, Death or Glory by The Clash. That's a great mm. song. But um, for my Gotta Wear Shades story or Future So Bright story, depending on how you look at it. Uh, last week, uh, we talked a little bit about cyberpunk, uh, sort of the, you know, grimy, concrete, technological, capitalist version of the future that is very much the one that we got, except nothing about it is cool or fun or sexy. Right. But have you heard, Gene, about solarpunk? No. So solarpunk is a movement that is the opposite of that. They're trying to... Imagine a future that is ecologically friendly, more communal, you know, more brighter and more optimistic than what we can most definitely expect. I need some of that in my life. Honestly, like you do. And I, I dip into uh, various forms of solar punk media every now and again. Um, so I would recommend checking it out if you need a little boost. Now, 
Do I think any of this is actually going to happen? No, because the one thing that all of these solar punk stories leave out is the class war that we will have to fight and win in order to have mm -hmm. a future where we don't all choke to death on least electronics. Yeah, so there's that sobering thought. But, yeah, if you just want escapism, check out Solarpunk. You'll like it. Will do. It's time for the Podcast Shopping Network. This week, our highlighted product is Bright. Quick, don't look, just answer. Is your toilet seat up or down right now? Do you even know? We just have to assume that it's both because Schrodinger's toilet is both until it's observed. But what if it's dark and you can't observe it? Well, then you've got a problem. Because everyone knows bathrooms with lights went extinct nigh on 50 years ago. But Bulbright, a device that has a red or green light and activates through a motion sensor when you enter the bathroom, may just prevent you from falling into nasty toilet water. All while saving your valuable fingers from having to flick texturally unpleasant switches connected to dangerous electricity. If it's red, you know to stop and put down the toilet seat the careless man in your life left up. If it's green, you know it's safe to sit down and do your business. Bulbright requires two AA batteries and retailed for $10, but you got an extra Bulbright free of charge. So this light that you, you put it inside your toilet bowl? No, you put it on the lid. On the... I think on the inside of the the top lid. Well, I, you know, and, and you made this point already, but you know what else has a light in my bathroom? The ceiling. Well, but then you got to flip that switch. There's got to be a better way. Is there, is the, is the idea that this is like a gentle glow that will not hurt my eyes or fuck up my night vision or... Uh, maybe that's maybe that's the theory behind it, but I just I, I thought it was so inane to have a second light just for the toilet seat that I I, I wanted, wanted to include it. I I do like this product, by which I mean that I hate it. I like it. I like it for this <laughs> segment because it sucks. Yeah. For precisely that reason, because it's of all the products you've covered so far, this one doesn't even pretend to address a need. Well, I mean, there are there are men who leave the toilet seat up when they live with women. That does happen. And there are women who don't look before they sit and end up, you know, in the bowl. That that has that has been known to happen on occasion. But I don't know that this actually solves that fundamental problem any more than just flipping the light switch on wood. Right. That's the thing like we we already addressed the question of like well what do we do when it gets dark inside the house and 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 plus if if you're with the right guy he's going to put the toilet seat down let's be honest yeah i think that's fair it's common courtesy it's common courtesy if there's no excuse really gentlemen for leaving the toilet seat up grow up yeah yeah you got to do what you got to do but I mean, you put a ring on it, you're you're basically agreeing to, to put the toilet seat down. Well, and even if, you know, even if you're you're not married, do you want your mom to come to visit and get a wet butt? No. No. Think about if it's your mom. No. Imagine your mom right. with a wet butt in the middle of the night. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't want to imagine that. On to State Up. <laughs> our, our state this week that we're featuring next in the alphabetic sequence is Connecticut. Connecticut may not look like a dangerous state, but it will Connecticut cut a bitch. Well, did you know Connecticut got its name by being the first state to install broadband way back in 1786? No, I did not know that. Yeah, incredible. Among those in the know, Connecticut is affectionately known as Massachusetts without the accent. Fearing revolution, the state forbade teaching horses to use guns in 1804, and even now, 30 years after repeal, Connecticut horse gun ownership is still the lowest in the nation. Wow, impressive. In Connecticut, all crime is not only white-collar crime, it is also well-starched white-collar crime. In Connecticut, smiling is seen as a sign of aggression. Our final segment tonight, as every week, is Person to Person and Person, where we share your valuable feedback with our audience of Tims. We had one email this week from Tims who are family, and they write, Hi, Mom. Please reference our excellent chalk skills. We haven't listened as much as Gil, but we love the show and enjoy being Tims. Please write a haiku about Gil almost winning at Munchkin. Cheers, Herman O. Hermano and Schwester Hermano. That would be my brother-in-law and sister-in-law. I mean, I've been pretty clear that the haikus are for people who aren't related to us and that we don't know in real life. But uh, just this once, this one time, I'm going to do it. So here it goes. Really, this haiku should be about the time Gene almost won Munchkin. Folks, that's all the show we have for you tonight. Do you want to have a haiku written about the subject of your choice? Send us an email, personandpersonshow at gmail.com. Drop us a voicemail, 541-249-5933. We've had that voicemail line for a while. We haven't heard any voices on there. We would love to hear your voice. You can also find us on Twitter, at AnchorPersons, and check out our website, personandpersonshow.com. Until next time... This is Gene Person saying you should always end a comedy set with a callback. And this is Greg Person saying, put the seat down, gentlemen. It's common courtesy. Good night.
I, I still feel like the lift, like it may be one of the, the fan favorites, but I feel like the lifting into the TV was one of my least favorite of his uh, killings. Are you, that was one of my favorites, actually. Welcome to prime okay. time, bitch. I love it. I might just start saying that to open the show. Okay. I really liked the, the puppet one. But oh my yes no that's my favorite of that one for sure yeah guys this has been an advertisement for nightmare on elm street 3 dream warriors in theaters <laughs> 30 years ago <laughs> more than 30 years ago right i don't know let's let's imdb it real quick because now i gotta know like dream warriors what was that 87 86 okay 87 okay so yeah um 33 years no yes no 34 34 years wow movie almost slaps. three and a half decades yeah it's the best one of the whole franchise i would say oh yeah and and the the follow-up four was uh Wait, I got I got to go through this Nightmare on Elm Street. There was uh, Nightmare on Elm Street two, which we don't talk about, even though it's one of the more interesting <laughs> sequels in the history of horror. It is. I I think as a, a thing on its own, it's really interesting. Um, yeah, I don't. It doesn't fit in with the rest of the franchise. If they could have made it as its own movie, I uh-huh. would have liked it more. Yeah, same. Uh, then there was three, which was. Uh, was dream warriors was three dream warriors yes yes okay and then four the dream master i don't remember that one it was the dream master but was and that then, the, and, well, that wasn't the one where freddie tried to possess a baby no that was episode that was number five that was the dream child okay um the main character of dream master i believe is um i think I can't remember. Did Patricia Arquette go into number four or was she replaced for? I think she was replaced for number four. She does not appear to be in number four. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, her, I believe it was her character. Alice um, was, was the dream master who was going to inevitably give birth to the dream child that ended up featuring in number five. And then six, of course, Freddy's Dead, which I think is underrated. I think Freddy's Dead was okay. I remember I went and saw that in theaters when they uh, did the 3D. It was it was pretty great. Well, see, but that's what's great about number three is that it does have that perfect balance between like, this is kind of fun and cartoony. But then on the other hand, like, it's also super scary, and the characters are all really emotionally invested in it. Yeah, number three was definitely the best of the series. I I think you you might like number four. I don't know if you've you've. It doesn't sound like you've seen it. <laughs> I no, I've I've definitely seen it, but it's been a while. Um, um, because it's a lot like number three, except it. I I think it was directed by Rennie Harlan. Huh. Okay. Do you know who that is? Um, the name rings a bell. If I, I can't think of any of his films right now. Uh, so I can think of a couple off the top of my head. Uh, Die Hard 2, Die Harder, and uh, Cliffhanger. Cliffhanger, another underrated flick. So, yeah, it has that more action movie vibe to it, but it's still good. 
Um, it's not as good as three. Three was just kind of a masterpiece. The next really great film in, in the franchise didn't come until new nightmare, which I adored because it had that meta storytelling to it. Right. I, I love that film. Um, in particular, the, the fact that they reimagine Freddie so completely like, mm-hmm. you know, and do a different makeup and all that kind of thing, but it still works. So it, you see it works this, really well, this kind of alternate Freddie that like in the remake, the new one with Jackie Earl Haley, who's a terrific actor and I'm not disparaging him, but that one doesn't work at all. Well, yeah, I think it took itself a little too seriously. It didn't. It, I, I mean, they didn't want to bring it to the, the cartoony, I mean, they overcorrected. <laughs> they overcorrected yeah. by a lot. It's it's too grim for a Freddy movie, which should tell you something. Yeah. Folks, that's our show. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you for tuning in again for Freddy Corner. <laughs>